Okay, we're going to learn the Ramban. At the beginning of... Put, put it over there on that stand of the right. Thank you. <coughs> we're going to learn the Ramban at the beginning of Truma. I hope we'll be able to make sense out of it. And I would sort of introduce the Ramban, the learning of the Ramban, which is uh, a bit of an enterprise. But I hope we'll, you know, those of you who managed to come tonight, I have the fortitude to get through it. The, the, the question in the back of the mind, or the question that you might attribute to the Ramban before he wrote what he wrote, is what happened to Mamad Har Sinai? But what happened to what we call Matan Torah, right? I've said many times that on the day of Matan Torah, we didn't really get the Torah, we got the idea that there could be a Torah. But that the Torah was clearly not given on the sixth day of Sivan to B'nai Israel. B'nai Israel heard God speaking some words, or heard God speaking but didn't hear words, right? There's a difference of opinion in Chazal as to what the experience of Har Sinai was really about. But what happened to Har Sinai? Uh, you know, the Jews, uh, the Jews left Mitzrayim. The Jews left Mitzrayim. And we don't stop talking about it. Every other mitzvah is Zecher Litzat Mitzrayim. You, you have heard of, uh, of Pesach, right? Uh, Pesach is the glorification of Yitzhak Mitzrayim even though it's not as though we think <coughs> that we're going to leave Mitzrayim again it's not as though we're preparing for the second leaving you know like we have it on our minds uh, remember Yitzhak Mitzrayim yet the Torah insists that Yitzhak Mitzrayim was such a dramatic event in the history of the Jewish people that we have to talk about it and relate it every day, day and night, and especially on Pesach, where there's a whole uh, uh, Haggadah. There's a, a story that has to be told. And you might say, what happened to Har Sinai? Isn't that a story? that should be told the story of Matan Torah I mean that seems like a pretty important Jewish event and yet we don't have any comparable any comparable um, festivals events programs there's no Zechel of Matan Torah again since Matan Torah is not about the Torah Matan Torah is the epiphany, it's the experience that indicated there could be a Torah. So Hakel might be in memory of the fact that the Jews in the desert over 38 years received the Torah. But not the one day event. Now to go beyond that, you understand that uh, there is no holiday of Matan Torah. Even though it is true that on Shavuot, we celebrate Matan Torah even though we're not sure whether the date is right or the time is right or it happened this way or that way and the Torah doesn't seem to be interested in Shavuot as the holiday of Matan Torah it's, it's almost like it's coincidental 
in the Torah there's a holiday called Shavuot. And it has certain dinim. There are certain things you have to do on Shavuot. <coughs> and when Chazal checked the calendar, it looked to them like Matan Torah, the day of Matan Torah, was the same day. Or if not the same day, one day off maybe. Right? So they said, well, we'll make an add-on. We'll make an add-on. Not only Shavuot, which is a holiday that has to do with the base of Mikdash and certain Korbanot, etc. But also, some Matan Torah will squeeze it in somehow. We'll squeeze it in, so we say Matan Torah. But the original intention, or the intention of the Torah, doesn't seem to be that there's a holiday of Matan Torah. So I summarize the, like this introductory point that I'm making to say that what happened to Matan Torah? How come the Jews are able to celebrate Yitzhak Mitzrayim with a holiday? And they're able to celebrate Sukkot with a holiday. I mean, it doesn't seem it. Okay, it's, it's impressive to think that God protected, protected, protected us in the desert. And that's certainly an important thing. But Matan Torah, I mean, where is that? Where's the, the memory of Matan Torah? How come we, we don't have pilgrimages to Har Sinai? In fact, how come we allowed the memory of Har Sinai to disappear. But if you wanted to go to on a tour of Har Sinai and you called up your travel agent, if he was an honest person, which, you know, it's probably hard to find, but if he was an honest he would say he doesn't know. I mean, where do you go? Where's Har Sinai? If you look at the maps, you'll see that there's Har Sinai in the north of the Sinai Desert, there's Har Sinai in the south of the, of the Sinai Desert. It's interesting. Imagine that the Jews forgot. They didn't set up a method of remembering where Sinai was. They didn't concern them through the generations. They didn't have movements to reinstate uh, uh, Sinai as an important place to go to. In any event, all of these questions, I think, lie behind the position of the Ramban and the Ramban is going to give us an answer or is going to teach us something that will enable us to answer all these questions so if you look at the Ramban the Ramban that I'm talking about is the second thing on the sheet right, the second Kasher Dibar Hashem Im Yisrael Panim B'Fanim Aseret Adibrot Kasher these words, you know, Panim B'Fanim that's what Moshe Rabbeinu said about the experience of Arsinai, it was Panim de Fanim. And what happened was a Sarat that they brought, right? We, we, we are in Shmot Perikaf. Shmot Perikaf. The parish is called Yitro, right? The parish is called Yitro. Perik Yutet is the introduction to Kabbalah Torah. Perikaf are the Sarat that they brought. Yutet, Kaf. And here the Ramban mentions the fact that the Aseret that they brought, like Chazal, Chazal first, and then uh, the Rishonim wonder about the Aseret that they brought. They say, why, um, why the Aseret that they brought? <coughs> so the answer is, Avot le Mitzvot they are like prototypical Mitzvot. 
if you take the Aserta Debrot, you can sort of put all 613 mitzvot into the 10. So that it makes sense to say that B'nai Yisrael received the Torah, even though they only received Aserta Debrot, and they only heard even less than Aserta Debrot. Nevertheless, you could say that in some way they received the Torah. And you know that this is how we learn, since all of the Jews at Har Sinai were kind of going through a process of conversion, whenever somebody comes to be converted, so Chazal determined that, uh, that uh, they uh, should, uh, should have to answer questions about the essence of, of, the, of Judaism. That, that a, a convert, a potential convert, doesn't have to come in and say everything in the Torah from beginning to end. But he has to know uh, uh, basic rules. Like what the basic rules are is something that, is, that may be debatable, but you have to know, like in some sort of general sense, just like the Jews at Har Sinai learned in a general sense what the Torah was about. Yisrael Moshe. And then at that time, B'nai Yisrael, also the Gerim, it's the same thing with converts. He says, but the Jews at Har Sinai said, it was sort of like Moshe Rabbeinu said, here's a little bit of Torah. And B'nai Yisrael said, we like it. Right? Tastes good. So whatever you give us, whatever Torah you give us in the future, we'll also take. That's, <coughs> that's called Kabbalata Torah. In other words, Kabbalata Torah was about the unknown. Not just about the known. That's what Nasev Nishma, right? <coughs> it was possible to accept the Torah because they knew a little bit of Torah. It was possible to accept the Torah that they didn't know as well. All of this is chapter 19. The, the Rabbah is, uh, is saying that the experience of Har Sinai, even though in terms of the content of the Torah is only partial, in terms of the transformation of B'nai Israel, it's complete. Because the implication of Har Sinai is Torah. I, mean, I guess you could say it in a different way, but that's basically the, the point that the Rabbah is making. This is an important sentence. Those of you who lost the place is two, four, five, six. Uh, the the end of line six. Rename Kedoshim. It was the result of Har Sinai, the experience of Har Sinai, is that they became Kedoshim. The, the uh, uh, definition of the word Kedoshim uh, that I would like to use here is distinguished, separate, but not like anybody else. So those, the experience changed them from whatever they were into whatever they now are. And according to the Ramban, they made it. What did they make? Like what was the great change that went uh, that that B'nai Israel underwent? So, if uh, the uh, God's interest in Am Yisrael, right? God has an interest, so to speak, right? If we could talk in those kinds of terms, like what does God want out of all this? 
you know, like, why couldn't God just leave the people he created in the world to muddle through? You know, they do okay, they do okay, they won't do okay, they won't do okay. I mean, what, what's the interest that God has? <coughs> now, that's a question that philosophers and theologians and Kabbalists have always asked. Even though, on the one hand, it's kind of meaningless to think that I can figure out what God wants. Nevertheless, you know that thinking is like a Yetzirah. Right? Do you know Yetzirah? Well, you don't know. It's okay. Yetzirah means, Yetzirah he doesn't let go of you. Like you talk to yourself and you say, it's not worth it, and it doesn't pay, and it gets into trouble, and you keep saying that, and, and it's always there. Right? I mean, there's, it, it doesn't go away. Whatever Yezahar is, eat a chocolate bar. So the more you explain to yourself why you shouldn't eat the chocolate bar, the amazing thing is you still want to eat the chocolate bar just as much. So you, so you trick it. Right? You can trick it, eat a cucumber. Uh, that doesn't work for most people. I mean, uh, what happens is that you end up eating a cucumber. But you don't, so that's, that's called, that's called, uh, uh, So, what did God want? Thinking about questions like that is also like a Yetzirah. You know, like I can't stop. Even though I say to myself, look, I mean, what do I know about God? And I mean, how can I understand that God's, uh, you know, you know, it's all, but I keep thinking to myself, like, why did God get us into this mess? What's the, what is it that God gets out of it? So put to the Ramban. The Ramban, there are many answers. I'm not here to argue this, but the Ramban says that what God wanted after the Mabul and after Avram Avinu, what God wanted was a makom in this world, a place in this world. In order to have a place in this world, there had to be some group of people who could invest a place, a place, with superior sanctity. And in order to do that, they had to go through different kinds of experiences and then receive the Torah and accept upon themselves the, the uh, onus or the burden of the Torah. So the Rabban says, the Rabban says, in Kedoshim, after Matan Torah, and this is in Chazal, it's in the Gevara Shabbos, Chazal say that after Matan Torah there was a special community of B'nai Israel. Not only had they not yet sinned, and which took place 40 days later, but at the time they had not yet sinned, and not only had they not yet, had they not yet sinned, but they were fresh from this uh, epiphany. They, they all were face to face with God. I can imagine such a situation. I can't imagine. But, but, but it, it makes sense to me to say that there was this group of people at Har Sinai who were now distinguishable from all the other people in the world. Said, Ramban said that that distinction was purposeful. It, it, it was not only meaningful to me because the insides of me were different, but it was meaningful to heaven because now the Beit HaMikdash could be built or the Mishkan. It doesn't matter. Right? The Mishkan could be built. So the Rabban says, 
Therefore, the Rambam says that the parishes of Truma and Tetzaveh, which are about building the Mishkan, precede the story, actually the story of Moshe Rabbeinu going up on Har Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. That story, which begins at the end of Mishpatim, but which is told in the parish of Kitisa, right? You remember Mishpatim, Truma, Tetzaveh, Kitisa, right? The, as, as on the calendar, or as in the weeks of going to Shul. Right? Shmos v'eira bo b'shalach. I told you last week that Tzitzias Mitzrayim. Shmos v'eira bo b'shalach. Yisro mishpatim is Matan Torah. The end of the parish of Matan Torah, the Torah says, Moshe, Hashem says to Moshe, maybe go up on Har Sinai. And let's say that go up on Har Sinai, it's a machlok as we shown him. Let's say that that go up on Har Sinai is about the 40 days, the 40 nights that Moshe Rabbeinu spent at Har Sinai to get the Torah. That story is continued in the parasha of Kisisa, where the Torah says Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai, he saw the angel. They're all screaming and yelling and jumping around, they built the golden cat. So that Truma and Tetzaveh comes somehow squashed in the middle of that story. And you know that the Rambam thought that chronology was being kept somehow in the Torah. He believed in the chronology of the Torah. And so it turns out that the parshas of Truman Tetzava are sort of a statement about the purpose of it all. Like what's happening here? Why is the Israel getting the Torah? Why is this superior community being created in order that the Mikdash should be built? And the Mikdash like everything in the world, has two primary aspects. It's a place where people go to in order to serve God in the noblest manner, but it's also the place in which God is willing to contain himself, so to speak. Right? It's from Bebezai. There are two sides, like everything. Everything like, you know, the way, the way it was understood. The way it was always understood that it's not exactly chaos theory, but everything, every action has a meaningful counteraction or reaction. So, B'nai Yisrael go to the Mikdash. The reason they go to the Mikdash is because the Shabbosah went to the, to the Mikdash. So, B'nai Yisrael, so that's the story according to the Ramban. The story according to the Ramban is that Truman and Tzavet are where they belong. They're not out of order. Because before, because you have to understand what this is all about. And what this is all about is building the Mikdash. A what? Wait, 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 wait. In Vayakem, we'll talk about that. In, in other words, there's the Mishkan before uh, the Egel Azahar, Truman Tetzaveh, and there's the Mishkan after the Egel Azahar, that's Vayakal Pekudeh. So we'll talk about that, okay? <coughs> so now here we are, we're on line six. L'chein sivat chila advar Mishkan she'lo ba'it v'tocha v'kudosh l'shmo. V'sham yedaber Moshe v'savet v'nei Yisrael. So in other words, chila. The word Chila means before the end of the story of Matan Torah, which takes place in the parish of Kisisa, there was this statement in the Torah, in the parishes of Truma and Tetzaveh, why are we doing this? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, what is the implication 
of the community that is created through Matan Torah. What obligation does that community have? And what can that community do that no other community was able to do heretofore? No other group of people was able to say, we're going to build the Mishkan, or we're going to build the Mikdash, as he keeps saying, right? But the Mishkan and the Mikdash are synonymous. And then he explains what we said last week. Why was the first thing described in building the Mishkan, the Aron, the Ark? Why is that the first thing? He says, he says it's because, 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 after all, it's described that when HaKadosh Baruch taught, spoke to Moshe Rabbeinu and taught him the Torah, the voice came from above the Aron, from between the Kruvim. So that, going backwards, the Aron is the place of the Shekhinah. Right, the whole Mishkan is the place of the Shekhinah, but the place in the place is the Aron. And since the place in the place of the Aron is the most important thing, so you start with the Aron, and I told you last week, <coughs> that Bitsawa didn't make a mistake or he didn't have prophecy, Bitsawa was right. Of course you start building the Bayit before you start building the Kalim. But here in Truma, according to the Rabban, God is not teaching us how to build it. God is teaching us what it is. And when you talk about the Mishkan in theory, not about the engineering plans, and not about you know how you actually execute the building of the Mishkan. No, not that. But you talk about what is the Mishkan. So you have to start from the Aron. You have to start from the Aron because the Mishkan is primarily an ark. That's what the Ramban says. That's what the, the Pasuk says. I will meet with you there and I will speak to you from on top of the Kapora. The Kapora is the <coughs> is the cover of the Aron. Al Kain Hikdim Aron Vakapot Bikan Kihu Mukdam Bimala. He says it. That's why the Torah first teaches us about the Aron and the Kaporat, even though everybody understands that if you actually went to build the Mishkan, you'd start from the building and then the stuff you put in the building. But if you try to talk about what it is, you start from the Aron. Because that's the most significant part of the Mishka. The Somach Laron HaShulchan Vamanarash Ha'enkeidin Kamohu. And since they started from the Aron, this is the Ramban says. So of course, uh, the Torah then continues and talks about other vessels. Kalim B, Kalim C, right? Because that's how it started. V'yoru Alinyana Mishkan Shebavron Nasavu Misham. Moshev, sorry, Hikdim, Pashat Vayakel, Samishka, so I love it. Sayu, Vichedas Abetzala, Vishu Arui, the Kadem Mamasa. So again, you see the Rabban says with Feirush that when Betzalel built the Bayit before he built the Kalim, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't novel. It wasn't a new idea. Everybody understood that's how you should do it. That's what Moshe wanted. But here in Truman Tetzaveh, Moshe Rabbeinu is not talking about building the Mishkan. He's talking about the purpose of Matan Torah. And when you talk about the purpose of Matan Torah, you talk about the Mishkan in terms of its significance. And its primary significance is found in the Aron Kodesh. 
That's the Rambam. Okay? Now, the Rambam goes on and he said, so the Mishkan. So the Mishkan means, of course, I mean, if were, since we're all uh, Rambam, Rambanistim, the so, the word so is related to Kabbalah. But when the Rambam is going to explain it, it's not going to be too wearying. This particular Rambam is not taxing. Like, you don't have to, like, levitate when you learn this Rambam. This Rambam is, is, is perfectly understandable, I think, even though he says that the ideas that I'm about to present are, uh, are connected to some Kabbalistic ideas that I've learned elsewhere. Right, that's what, that's what he means. But you don't have to be a Kabbalist. We can learn this Ramban and remain regular people. Vesoda Mishkan, Shia Kavodesh Shachana Har Sinai, Shochei Alav Dinistai. There it is. That's the end of the Shia. We can all go home. The Ramban says it can't be clearer than that. He says, Sod HaMishkan Hu. Like, you want to know what the Mishkan is really and truly? A kavod. Kavod is a Hebrew word which is a synonym for God's presence. Now, it may be that it has a more technical meaning. On some level, you know, like what sort of presence and which presence, but we know that at Har Sinai, <coughs> there was an Anan. God's presence was represented by a cloud. Okay. And that cloud was called Kavod. Kavod. But even though we simple people don't understand all of that, but we understand and we accept the fact that the word Kavod is a synonym for God's presence, and God's presence at Har Sinai, there was sort of a presence, even though God is found every place in the world, God at Har Sinai was found especially. And while it's true that you could usually walk around, even in Hare Yehuda, you walk around the hills around Jerusalem, you don't always feel God's presence. Oh, let me correct that. I don't always feel God's presence, especially when I'm coughing a lot. It says, but, but at Har Sinai, it was impossible not to feel God's presence. That's what Har Sinai is. Har Sinai was a democratic exhibit of God's presence. Everybody. Everyone is included. The great uh, and the wise, the Talmudists, the Kabbalists, the spiritualists, and the simple people. They all were aware of God's presence. And that the Ramban calls, right, that's, that's Beniglet. Everybody had it. Shochei Allah Benistah. That that experience of Har Sinai moves over to the Mishkan, where it is dwells upon the Mishkan Binistar, meaning that not everybody reacts to it in the same way at the same time. Har Sinai, everybody. Mishkan, Moshe Rabbeinu, Kohanim, people bring Korbanot, right? There are different levels of interaction with the Mishkan, but in in, in some way, <coughs> it's similar. To Moshe Hashem, it says in, in Paragutes again, or Paragutes the other Mishpotah, Vayishkan Kvod Hashem al-Har Sinai, Uksiv, Heinerano Hashem al-Okeinu, Es Kvodov, Es Gadlo, V'chein Kasuv, Mishkan Kvod Hashem al-Eta Mishkan. 
והזכיר במשכן שני פעמים כבוד השם על עת המשכן, כנגד כבודו ואת גדלו, ובמשכן תמיד עם ישראל הכבוד שלנו הר סיני. אגן, והיה במשכן תמיד. והיה במשכן, אילוס נאמר פסוקים שמתאים לכך שהיה במשכן תמיד, אם במשכן, always עם ישראל, with the people, הכבוד שנראה להם בהר סיני. So people knew, even though they weren't experiencing it. They weren't experiencing it. People got up in the morning and they went to get the man, and they came back and they made coffee, and they drank the coffee, and they were supposed to start learning something, and they put it off a little bit, and they drank another cup of coffee, and a cookie, and another cookie, right? They did regular things in the Midbar. But they knew that the presence of HaKadosh Baruch was available to them at the Mishkan. Right? Not, maybe not at this moment when I'm drinking my coffee, but I could do something. I could go in that direction. So the memory of Har Sinai, the memory of Har Sinai was with them always. And when Moshe had to teach Torah to B'nai Yisrael, he received a call. <coughs> he went to the Mishkan and he learned the next Amud of Torah Shebechsav and Torah Shebechsav and he came out and he taught to B'nai Yisrael and B'nai Yisrael also knew that this was like the ongoing Har Sinai experience. Uchemoshinem Amar B'matan Torah מן השמיים משמיעך את קולך ליסרקם על ארץ הרחב תשעות את עולם ואחר משמעת כתיב וישמעת הכל מדבר אליו מעל הכפון משני הכובים דבר אליו ונכפר וידבר אליו להגיד מה שאמרו בקבלה שהיה הכל בא מן השמיים ומשה מעל פרוכת ומשם מדבר עמו The voice of God from heaven came down to the Aaron and came to Moshe Rabbein, Moshe Rabbein heard it as though it was coming from between the Kruvim that were on the Kaporet. So that for Moshe Rabbeinu, but what happened? B'nai Yisrael, Moshe Rabbeinu said, hey, we're going to get the Torah. B'nai Yisrael said, in the parasha of Yitro, B'nai Yisrael says, no, not us, you go. You go get the Torah, come and teach it to us. And that's what happened during the 38 years. B'nai Yisrael knew that it was God speaking to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu taught B'nai Yisrael, and that was Matan Torah, was exactly as <coughs> originally conceived on Har Sinai. Moshe Rabbeinu went alone, he had the tablets, had the seret that they broke, came down to B'nai Yisrael and taught them. That's Matan Torah. Okay? So that for the Ramban, interim, interim summary, the Ramban says a positive thing. This really, the Rabbeinu B'chaya, you know, the Rabbeinu B'chaya is kind of a commentator on the Ramban. Even though the Rabbeinu B'chaya wrote his own parish, I, I mean, it's not just a commentary on the Ramban, but it includes a commentary on the Rambam. And the Rambam of Achai said, you know what all this means? That Har Sinai did not exist as a place. There really is for us 
no place in the world called Har Sinai. Because Har Sinai, the fact of it, the experience of it, the way of it, just moved. It moved over to the Mishkan. And therefore, when it moved to the Mishkan, it was no longer a kind of static event in history. You couldn't say that Matan Torah related to a place and a time. Because after all, Matan Torah, exactly the same Matan Torah, exactly the same elements of Matan Torah, continued with B'nai Yisrael in the Mishkan during the 38 years that they wandered in the desert. <coughs> and finally, finally, after 400 years in Eretz Yisrael, they built the Beit HaMikdash. And you know the Sanhedrin, the Sanhedrin, the highest court of Am Yisrael, was situated in the Beit HaMikdash, near the Kodesh Kodeshi. And the Sanhedrin, besides whatever else they were in charge of, were also in charge of creating or ensuring that the correct interpretation of the Torah would be known to the people and enforced in the land. So that the kind of Matan Torah that we're talking about, which includes a text and the interpretation of the text. After all, according to the Ramban's introduction, Moshe Rabbeinu received the Torah Shebechtav, but also the Torah Shemal Pevich. When B'nai Israel said to Moshe Rabbeinu, how does a pair of tefillin look? Which is not such an unreasonable question. How does a sukkah look? How long do you bake a piece of matzah that you can eat on Pesach? All these seem to be reasonable questions. So Moshe Rabbeinu told them, that's called Torah Shabbat Peh. That's called Torah Shabbat Peh. Torah Shabbat Peh means, and every text, well, I have to, but every text has a Torah Shabbat Peh. I mean, you have to understand the word, and you have to understand the word in context, and you have to understand the word the way it was originally intended, and you have to understand the word as it is interpreted throughout the ages. That's all interpretation is that way. <coughs> so according to the Rabbeinu Bechayim, who interprets this Rabbat, the Rabbi Nechai says a simple thing. You know what happened to Har Sinai? What happened to Har Sinai? It disappeared. The day of Matan Torah kind of disappeared because it moved over to the Mishka. And if you, therefore you say, why would anybody want to do a pilgrimage to Har Sinai when you can go to the base Hamikdash? I mean, I mean, it, it's in the base Hamikdash. That's where it is. It's all moved. So this is the big Kiddush of the Ramban. That just like there is <coughs> history, which is about a time and a place, right? It's about a time and a place. You'd see us with Shrine. It happened at a time in a place. And nothing will ever change that. Matan Torah. The way the Rabban tells us the story did not happen really in a time or a place. True, it started in, in Har Sinai. True, it was either on Vav or Zion, Siva. Oh, that is true. 
But Matan Torah is just as reputable <coughs> in the 38 years that followed when Moshe Rabbeinu taught the Torah to B'nai Yisrael again and again. So thinking back to the moment of Har Sinai, thinking back to the time of that epiphany at Har Sinai would be a mistake. It would be as though I would say, that's the Torah. That's what came from And that, that was a problem. The verses of Brochus Dafyut, that people used to say the Aserta Dibroth in the morning, and they daven, and the Chazal said, no, they shouldn't say it. Shouldn't say Aserta Dibroth. You shouldn't get the idea that there's the Torah of the Aserta Dibroth. And the rest of the Torah somehow is of secondary nature. <coughs> but all Matan Torah, all Matan Torah starting from the Aserta Dibroth, including the entire Torah, was the gift of the Kodesh Baruchu to B'nai Yisrael through Moshe Rabbeinu and started at Har Sinai, continued in the desert in the, Mish- in the Mishkan, continues in the Beit HaMikdash, and goes on in that way. And goes on in that way. So that's what, that's what the Ramban says. Listen to the last, the last thing here. Amistakel yafeh b'ktuvim anemarim matan terem vim shikatvu b'hem so now he goes, he says, the Rabban says, you know, the Shlomo HaMelech. Shlomo HaMelech, the Rabban had a very high regard for Shlomo HaMelech. Because Shlomo HaMelech was able to convert Torah into wisdom. That's what, in, in, in other words, you may have noticed that not every person who learns a lot of Torah is necessarily wise. But Shlomo HaMelech has this special, had this special talent. He was able, you know, he, he went to Cheder, and he came home, and he knew something. That was remarkable. So the Ramban, for the Ramban, Shlomo HaMelech is one of the Torah heroes. In his introduction, in his introduction to his parish on the Torah, the Ramban talks about Shlomo HaMelech <coughs> So you know that Shlomo HaMelech built the Beit HaMikdash. Yeah, David HaMelech started it, Shlomo HaMelech finished it, Shlomo HaMelech like really put in a lot of effort. And so when, he, when the Beit HaMikdash was inaugurated at the time of Shlomo HaMelech, there was a tefillah, a special prayer that Shlomo HaMelech made. <coughs> so he says, he says, I'm stakel yafebak to him and the Marim Matantara, who may be Mashakatab Nubahem, Yavin Soda Mishkano Beta Mikdash. He says, further so, like they didn't even more to understand about the Mishkan and the Beta Mikdash. Yuchalit Ponein Bomi Mashamash Loma Bechokmato. Chokma is wisdom. Shloma Bechokmato. He understood something. He didn't just do it. He didn't just finish the Beit HaMikdash like a building project, you know, for the, uh, for the community. He knew something about what he was doing. He says, Shlomo b'chokhmato b'tfilato Beit HaMikdash, Hashem Elokei Yisrael. This is what he says, Apostle Malochim. Kemosha Amar, Hashem Elokei Yisrael. Right? That's, the, that's what he talked about. He says, God, you know, like God has a lot of names, but even those names also have epithets. And what does Shlomo Amar say? He said, Hashem? Elokei Yisrael, the God of Israel. 
Right, so Kemoshe Amar Bahar Sinai Vayiru Et Elokei Yisrael. The Rabban said, Shlomel, he got it. What was he building? He was rebuilding Har Sinai. Where does it say Elokei Yisrael? Perikov Dalit, the end of Parsha Mishpotim. And you have Shlomo Amalek said, I'm doing the same thing. So he sees the redness. Redness, <coughs> you know, <coughs> a redness is a way of validating what I know is right. People should never make the mistake of thinking that a redness is exegesis. Exegesis means you squeeze it out of the words. Right? You take the words, you squeeze them really hard, and out comes something. That's called exegesis. Which is why exegesis doesn't have staying power. Because you squeeze, I squeeze, he squeezes, and we all know that in the next generation. So we also come along and squeeze a little harder. It'll come out this way, it'll come out that way. That's exegesis, right? You like it, you take it. You don't like it, don't take it. Rebbe's, when the Rabban says Rebbe's, that's very powerful. Because the Rabban is not saying I'm squeezing it out of the words. He's saying I know it because the tradition of, of Jewish knowledge implies it. And if you want... You'll see it here in the words. You know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say? <coughs> the remez does not antedate the knowledge. It's only if you have the knowledge that you can see the remez. Right? So you see another layer in the Torah. I mean, no one has that kind of precociousness that they can learn the Torah according to remez. But the remez appears... Once I know what the Torah is really saying, how do I know what the Torah is really saying? I'm a teacher, I'm a tradition, it comes from a, from a, a, a well-known sacred holy source, or something. then I see the Rebbe, so it says, etc. So, so according to the Ramban, the Beit Hamidash that Shlomo HaMelech built was Har Sinai. He built Har Sinai. So Har Sinai disappeared when the Jews left. It was devolved into the Mikdash, into the Mishkan, and that ultimately devolved into the Beit HaMikdash. So now let's look quickly at the introduction of the Ramban to Shemot, the top of the page. <coughs> I know that some of you once learned this, uh, this uh, Ramban. I think Rabbi Felix taught it to you. But I've also learned this Ramban once or twice. I don't mind learning it again. So you shouldn't mind learning it again either. Listen to the Ramban. The Ramban, you know, the Ramban had this idea that you could write an introduction to the book of the Torah which itself is an interesting idea. And the reason that he thought you could do that was because he thought there was an overriding theme for every one of the books of the Torah. 
And look how the Rabban starts. He says, so in other words, the first book of the Torah is called Yitzirah, creation. Creation does not mean the first two chapters of Breshit, but it's all creation. The whole book, Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Yosef, is all creation, because it creates paths. It creates a way, like the computer program of existence goes down certain paths, and those paths were determined. They used to say path in computers, right? When, when you learned about computers, they said path. It was like those. Uh, it's like a language that doesn't even exist anymore. You know, computers. It's like two years old. The whole business, and they already have languages that you don't use anymore. It's amazing. So, it's called Yitzira. It's called Yitzira, creation. Everything in the Book of Revelation is creation. I don't want to go into that now. Even though it's, it's an important thing. Then he goes on, he says, Now, he says that the book of Shemot, that's history. That's to say, what's history? History is after the paths, the possible paths have been created. Then B'nai Yisrael can do history. Right? So Breshid is called Sefer Yitzirah. And Shemot is called, according to the Ramban, is going to be called Gula. Redemption. So according to the Ramban's way of looking at things, redemption is the beginning of history. Redemption of the university. So I'm not going to go into that either. Someday, <coughs> when the sun shines, we'll talk about Gula. Then we get close to the Pesach. But the Ramban here says, you see, I'm on the I'm on one, two, three, four, five. The fifth line. <coughs> Towards the end of the line, it says, Vinei Hagalut Eino Nenu Nishlam Ad. So he says, when does the Galut end? What did he say about the book of Shemot? It's the book of redemption. So the Rabbah says a simple question. He says, when, when exactly does this redemption come to an end? After all, we know that the book of Shemot, Shemot Vayim Abba B'Shalach, Yitzhak Mitzray, Yitro Mishpatim, Matan Torah, Truma Tetzava Vayakob Pekudei, Beit HaMikdash, Kitisa, all kinds of other interesting things, B'Tzalah. When does it end? Does the redemption of B'nai Israel end? Shmoz Reh, Rabbi B'Shal, Chanti, Yisiyat, Mishraim. Does it end after Matan Torah? Does it end after, and so he says that the book is one book. It's one book from beginning to end, so in theory it should end at, at the Mishkan, but somebody has to explain this to me, according to the Rabban. So Rabban says this, I'm reading slowly now. Shuvam, so look. Shuvam el mekomam vel malat avotam yashuv. So the Ramban has a definition of redemption. Redemption is not physical. Redemption is spiritual. And the way of the Torah, according to the Ramban, is that the Torah always includes the guideline. Where do you have to go to? 
where are you supposed to get to? The Torah tells you. So if you say to me, if history started, if history started with the redemption of the Nazar out of Mitzrayim, why do I need the book of Breshit? Okay, very nice. Avram, Yitzhak, Yago, they were good people, they were special people, they were outstanding people. But they're not me. They're not my story. My story, me, as an individual, begins with the story of Am Yisrael. I'm part of Am Yisrael. I'm not Avram Avinu. Yitzchak, Yaakov, Yosef. I mean, I can't. I mean, what am I supposed to learn from all of that? From all of those stories about people who cannot be approached. Right? The Rabbah says again and again that a Baruch called Avram Avinu or Avi. My beloved. So is that like some kind of a goal that we have? Each individual person should be like Avram Avinu? I never heard of such a thing. Avram Avinu is beyond. Beyond occupation. Avram Avinu did Achdash so we should do Achdash but that's not Avram Avinu. <coughs> Avram Avinu is, is, is someone who had a closeness to God that was not inherited. Imagine that. His father didn't teach him that he should do mitzvahs when he was a little kid. His father didn't come and tell him, say, Kriyashma, when he went to sleep. His father said to him, be an idolater. And somehow he created this closeness to God on his own. The Rambam is overwhelmed by this idea. And for the Rambam, Avram Ravina was a great hero. So why is it that the Torah tells us about Avraham Yitzhak Yaakov? Okay, I think they're great heroes, but they're not us. We're Am Yisrael. The Torah the wrong, right? We have a problem, but, but we're Am Yisrael. So the history of Am Yisrael should be the beginning of things. I remind you of the Rashi, the beginning of Bereshit, and this is another take on it. <coughs> so the Rabbat says this, Yom Shuvam El Mikoman that Geula, redemption means going back to place and to standing, to the spiritual stand. Place and standing. When they went out of Mitzrayim, the Rabban is very clear, they achieved physical salvation. They were still in exile. Leaving Mitzrayim for the Jewish people alleviated a physical burden, but could not be equated with could not be equated with Gula, with redemption. Because they lived in a place, the desert, they were in a desert, which was low ahead. It wasn't for them. It wasn't theirs. That's what the Torah says. They were lost in the desert. And Nebuchim is the opposite of settled. They weren't settled. They moved from place to place. They didn't know where they were going. During the 38 years of the desert, the Vuchim, listen to the Rabbah, right? Matan Torah, Vasuha Mishkan, 
we know that all these three things are, are the same. Har Sinai and the Mishkan and Ishrashina that the that the, the presence of God was felt in Am Yisrael at that time, as the Ramban says. Then Shavu El Malat Avotam. Then they were like their fathers. How do we know that that's the, that's the purpose? Because that's what Avram and Yisrael and Yaakov were. That's the lesson that the Rabban says. How so? Because we know that Avram, Yitzhak and Yaakov made a place for God, Kaviyochol, in this world. And the Shekhinah, because I'll say it in many different ways, that the Shekhinah, that the cloud representing God's presence was on the tents of the Avot. Also maybe on the tents of the Imahot. Right? Sorrow. And then Rivka. <coughs> but this idea of Kavod, in other words, it's as though the Ramban says, when is Gula open, over? When, when, I say, when is Galut? When does the exile come to an end? When is the exile? It doesn't say in the Torah. Don't say when it comes to an end. It just says, first they did this, they did this, then they did that, right? So the Rabban says, well, the way you have to understand the Torah is this. Why did the Torah teach us Avraham and Yitzchak and Yaakov? Why did, Avraham, why did the Torah mention those people to us at great length? Instead of just saying, you know, we had the fathers whose name Avraham and Yaakov, let's go out to Yitzchak and right. Because Avraham and Yitzchak and Yaakov represent Gu'ula in its purest form. <coughs> and the purest definition of Gu'ula, redemption, according to the Ramban is, you're in your place and you're creating uh, uh, the infrastructure that enables the Shekhinah to dwell there. And you create it through that, what the Ramban calls, Kedusha, designation. This is what I do. This is what I'm about. So if you look, you look again. Three lines from the bottom. Forty-three percent of the way across the line. Kishebo el Har Sinai. They were in Har Sinai. A. Asumishkan B. Vishava Kodesh Bo Vishashvina Dovene and God dwelled in their midst. Right then they were like Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. <coughs> who are Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov? They are the redeemed. They are the ones who are redeemed. They redeemed themselves. Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. They didn't need Yitzhak to try it. They didn't need Matan Torah. But they were clearly redeemed. They became the goal, the object. That's where we're going. That's where B'nai Israel is going to. So Yitzhak, the tribe. That's not redemption. But this is redemption. And they, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, were like a Merkava. What's a Merkava? I mean, it's also, I mean, it's a Kabbalistic notion, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. We understand that a Merkava is, is the thing, is the place. A Merkava is a chariot. Right? So it's the, it's the divine chariot. It's the place of God. What created a place for God? Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. You know, as you can't, I mean, God is every place. 
But God desired, I told you, God desired Kabiyochel a place, a special place, where there could be intimacy between God and the people. <coughs> and then they were surely redeemed. And therefore, the Rabban says that the second book of the Torah is called Geula. It's called Redemption. And which part of the book of Shemot is about redemption? All of it. No, all of it. Because in order for the Jews to be redeemed, to redeem, they had to leave Mitzrayim. They had to get the Torah. <coughs> they had to build the Mishkan. All of that. So, and how do I know that that's what redemption is? Because that was what the model that Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov left us, but left us as an inheritance. So the first book of the Torah, the Ramban says, is called Yitzirah, creation. Because it's all about creation. And the second book of the Torah is called, according to the Ramban, Geulah. Because it tells me about the redemption of the Jewish people. And the redemption of the Jewish people ended when they achieved what they had been directed to achieve by the Avot, by Avram and Yitzhak and Yaakov. And so the whole book of Shemot, Tzied Mitzrayim, Matan Torah, building the Mishkan, is the book of redemption according to the according to the Rambam. The first question we asked, remember what happened to Har Sinai? Well, it devolved. It doesn't really exist because there was a Mishkan. And then there was a Mikdash. And Aliyala Regal, which is a Jewish holiday, right? Jews do Aliyala Regal, is like going to Har Sinai. It's better than going to Har Sinai. Right? The whole Torah came through the Mishkan and the Mikdash. Have a good job.